Good morning, friends. As we've already mentioned this morning a couple of times, uh, it is Peace Month, and we spent some time leading up to this uh, focusing on peace and focusing on uh, different ways in which peace shows up in our lives. Um, so in preparing for today, uh, I sat for a number of weeks with the concept of peace, what I believe peace meant to me, what I think it meant to a community, and of course what peace meant to God. And I kept looking for God to guide me to what I was supposed to be talking about, what I was supposed to focus on, and I kept coming up consistently short. And after hearing what else has been brought in the, in the series so far, if I'm totally honest, I got really overwhelmed. And I'm feeling a lot of that overwhelmed this morning as we just finish prayer and name a lot of things in which peace is not being accomplished in our time. Um, the violence that we hear on the news or all around us, really. Uh, the continually important and ever-progressing need to work against climate change. The racism in our community and in our schools. And even the sometimes dicey and hard-to-manage dynamics of family and friends. They all flooded my brain as I was continuously overstimulated by a lack of peace I saw all around me. And that was exhausting. <laughs> and I am exhausted before even getting started on working for any of those things. Working for peace in the world. I felt depleted before even starting. I don't think I'm alone in feeling that way. So that shifted my perspective, or maybe God shifted my perspective towards myself and a lack of peace I felt in my own life too, um, in my own body and in my mind, realizing that I need peace in myself before I can adequately strive for peace outside myself. And that felt really important. So I found it. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about inner peace this morning. Um, and I'm happy to report that I have now mastered inner peace. And I will be uh, the utmost authority on it moving forward. You can come and talk to me anytime, and I can give you whatever pointers you need. <laughs> no, that's uh, actually quite the opposite. Uh, preparing for today, and I, I shared in team this morning, it has felt only like um, a constant reminder of my own stress and anxiety and that I felt anything but peace this last week. Um, I felt far from grounded, far from center, and spread thin, and like I'm constantly pulling from an empty well when trying to take on whatever it is that I'm taking on. Again, I think that can be a shared feeling. Uh, a little story, like just as an example of the things, the spread thinness. I have a really, really good friend that I've had since middle school. And the last couple of years, he's been traveling the world, and I hardly get to see him. And he messaged me earlier this week saying, hey, I'm going to be in town randomly. Can I have you for like a day and a half? And like, that should be so exciting. And instead it was so depleting. I was like, I am so busy. I've got no time for you. Like how, like you're gonna come in here and I'm not gonna get this done or that done or this done. Instead, I'm gonna have to focus on relationship. And that hurt me to be 
not excited for my friend to come to town. And that even more exemplifies like that, that depleted stress or that uh, spread thinness, that lack of peace. And I, again, don't think I'm alone. Um, but I did end up catching up with him and it was really good. And so that felt like a little, a little glimmer, a little hope, a little peace yesterday. But naturally when I feel defeated and like I have no good words, I turn to people older and wiser and who write books that are full of good words. Um, so most of us probably know who Thomas Kelly is. Um, but for those who don't, Thomas Kelly was an American Quaker educator who lived in the early 1900s. After a life of teaching and writing, he passed away just before he got the chance to publish his first book. Three months later, A Testament of Devotion was published a collection of devotional essays that is now widely read and led to a second collection of essays, The Eternal Promise, both after he passed away, but compiled by those who loved him, or uh, his son compiled Eternal Promise as well. Thomas Kelly's book, uh, A Testament of Devotion, is what Leslie handed me my very first meeting after starting work here as a, this is a really good example of what North Valley believes and the way in which we practice spirituality. So that book has been important for the last nine or ten months or so that I've been here. And in that book, I've come to light, I've come to love Thomas Kelly's words of the divine center, the communal nature of Quaker meetings, and the importance of a simple and peaceful life. So I went there. I went to him to get, uh, to get some words. So in A Testament of Devotion, he writes this. Do we, do we live in the steady peace of God, a peace down at the very depths of our souls, where all strain is gone and God is already victor over the world, already victor over our weaknesses? This life, this abiding, enduring peace that never fails, this serene power and unhurried conquest, inward conquest over ourselves, outward conquest over the world, is meant to be ours. It is a life that is freed from strain and anxiety and hurry, for something of the cosmic patience of God becomes ours. Are our lives unshakable because we are clear down on bedrock, rooted and grounded in the love of God? Well, Thomas Kelly, I sure would like to say yes to your questions, but I have already said this morning, um, I, I don't. Uh, this kind of enduring peace that never fails is not something I have figured out. But a life that is freed from strain and anxiety and hurry? That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> so, when I found this quote, I read above it and below it and all around it trying to look for the formula. I wanted him to lie it out of like, you do this, you do this, you do this, and then you have peace. Um, I didn't find that recipe, but I was looking for how I could create in myself cosmic patience that he speaks about. But what he actually is speaking about here is he's referring to when Jesus in Mark, what he names as the greatest commandment. So Jesus replied, he was asked by um, some fellow or some other uh, spiritual leaders trying to catch him in an error. They asked him, what's the most important? And he replies, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. 
And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. That's Mark 12, 29 through 31. The other spiritual leaders trying to catch him in this error were looking to trip him up and like he wouldn't respond like he did. Because in Deuteronomy 6, way back when, Moses said those same words to, uh, to the Israelite people. And that was practiced as the prayer of Shema. It's the thing that they repeat every single day. It's the thing that they hang above their doorstep, have written and bind to themselves while they pray. It's the most important phrase, or the most important commandment. So Jesus didn't slip up. Uh, but let's read Deuteronomy 6, where Moses says the same thing. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. But what Jesus does do is he puts a little bit of a twist on it. He says it, and he quotes it, so he's right, but he adds something. So I think the next slide has both of them together. Yeah. If you look carefully, Jesus adds a little bit about all your mind. That wasn't there in Deuteronomy when Moses says it. And I somehow feel like that was intended for us now. Maybe more than ever before, but maybe it's always been true. But when there are so many things now that fill our minds or pull at our minds and really in every way distract us from actually doing what Jesus or Moses or even Thomas Kelly are urging us to do, I feel like that was a reminder from Jesus to say, hey, those of you living in 2023 with your phones in your pockets and with what feels like constant notifications of the world on fire, love the Lord your God with all your mind too. So what does this have to do with inner peace? Well, I am sorry that I don't have a recipe for uh, Thomas Kelly's uh, or the uh, divine peace or cosmic patience. I did learn that it's, that Thomas Kelly, let me just start over, hold on. There we go. Thomas Kelly goes on to explain that the peace we are looking for, the centered, guiding, and cosmically patient peace, is all a byproduct of simply following Jesus' greatest commandment, this loving our God with all of us, that all that we have. Except that actually really isn't that simple. I want it to be that simple. I want to encourage all of you that it's all that simple. Let's go back to Thomas Kelly. Uh, the section goes on to say, Do you want to live in such an amazing divine presence that life is transformed and transfigured and transmuted into peace and power and glory and miracle? If you do, then you can. But if you say you haven't the time to go down into the recreating silences, I can only say to you, then you don't really want to. You don't yet love God above all else in the world, with all your heart and all your soul and mind and strength. For except for spells of sickness in the family and when the children are small, when terrific pressure comes upon us, we find time for what we really want to do. Oof. He's pulling no punches. Like, I can feel Thomas Kelly looking over, like, the rim of his glasses saying, we find time for what we really want to do. 
And all of a sudden I feel that pressure again. I feel that uh, to-do list racking up of, oh no, now I have to find inner peace too. Like that's just another layer on top of it. But while I wouldn't use the same language that Kelly uses, maybe I would be a little less direct. Um, his points are good. And they com did communicate to me the importance of constantly evaluating, taking time in what he calls the recreating silences, to take a look at what we are prioritizing and making sure that we are keeping our focus where it belongs. And maybe that's what I found most important to point at today, as we look at peace and all of the ways in which we need to work for peace. We also need to prioritize us because we really can't do the good work in the world without doing the good work for us and for ourselves. He goes on to say some really good things that I wanted to summarize so that I wasn't just standing up here and quoting Thomas Kelly the whole time. Um, but every time I went back to it and tried to summarize it, I was missing parts that I really wanted to get said. Uh, so, I'm going to read you a section more. Before I do, I want to remind you that he was writing this in about the 1930s. It was like 100 years ago, or close. But yet it really does feel like he could have written it yesterday for us right now. Much of our acceptance of multitudes of obligations is due to our inability to say no. We calculated that the task had to be done, and we saw no one ready to undertake it. We calculated the need and then calculated our time and decided maybe we could squeeze it in somewhere. But the decision was a heady decision, not made within the sanctuary of the soul. When we say yes or no to calls for service on the basis of heady decisions, we have to give reasons to ourselves and to others. But when we say yes or no to calls on the basis of inner guidance and whispered promptings of encouragement from the center of our life, or on the basis of a lack of an inward rising of that life to encourage us in the call. We have no reason to give except one, the will of God as we discern it. Then we have begun to live in guidance. And I find he guides us into an intolerable scramble of panting feverishness. Sorry. And I find he never guides us into an intolerable scramble of panting feverishness. <laughs> really important never right there. Um, the cosmic patience becomes, in part, our patience. For after all, God is at work in the world. It is not we alone who are at work in the world, frantically finishing a work to be offered to God. Life from the center is a life of unhurried peace and power. It is simple, it is serene, it is amazing, it is triumphant, it is radiant. It takes no time, but it occupies all our time. And it makes our life programs new and overcoming. We need not get frantic. God is at the helm, and when our little day is done, we lie down quietly in peace, for all is well. I think we so easily fill every moment we have so full that we can't hear the rising of God in us that Thomas Kelly's talking about. I think that strikes me as, oh sorry, what I think strikes me the most is how easily life can be filled and even overflow with good things and important things. Really necessary, urgent things like that is not, like all that is not at peace in the world that we talked about earlier or talked about through prayer this morning. 
But that's where I find a little bit of relief, where he says that God is at work in the world and isn't all on us to frantically finish all that there is to do. But rather that what we are called to do is to focus on loving God with all that we are. And then out of that place, we can start working for peace. And it feels like a cyclical thing. Like we have to prioritize peace for us so that we can prioritize peace in the world, which can provide peace for us, and so on and so forth, and so on and so forth. So I can confidently say it's okay to prioritize our own peace too, even when we turn on the news and see that the world is burning. So that we can work from that guiding center that Kelly writes about. And I think prioritizing that inner peace is actually also working for peace in the world. And I think working for inner peace is also able to work for peace in the world, is loving God with all of ourselves, with all of our mind, too. Prioritizing what's going on in there so that we can go and chase after peace. I guess I want to end by refocusing on the fact that none of us have that down. Like, none of us have that completely figured out. And that none of the other things that we talk about in this series are less important because we don't have that figured out. But that it is sort of the all of it, the both and, the everything that maybe is why Jesus calls the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God first with all that we are. So I've got some queries for us as we enter a time of open worship. Use them if they're helpful. Throw them out if they're unhelpful. Um, but yeah, where do you or we need to say no? What might prioritizing peace in our own lives open us up to that we are currently not open to? And what does it look like for you or us to love God with all of our mind? And how might you or we actually cultivate inner peace in our lives?